Hi, I'm Winston, and welcome to the Real Estate Template. Today we have a good friend of mine on with us, Travis Hazy. Where are you from? What's up, man? Madison, Wisconsin. Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. So lucky enough too, we have a place in Florida, and my lovely bride Brittany that you know, we go back and forth. Cool. So, which is pretty cool. So Travis is from Madison, Wisconsin. All right, so we're in a collective group. Yeah. A group of men and women. Yeah. That um, I don't know, we high net worth people, but people that that have a little bit of means right. to do a little bit of stuff. Yeah. And um, we you just... Know, you know, you're right. It's a it's a good group, obviously uh, founded by Kenny McElroy, Jason Hartman, and George Gammon, right? Mm -hmm. And um, that's where you and I met was actually at Rebel Capitalist Live. Yep. Right? And we yep. were in Miami there. And I actually just went down with the intentions to learn some things about macroeconomics. Actually, I bought my ticket three days beforehand. You know, I just told Britt, Hey, I want to go down to Miami. You mind? No problem, right? So, and that's where obviously uh, met Robert Kiyosaki was obviously speaking there too. Met Kenny real quick, um, and then met obviously uh, some of our fellow uh, CAG members, right? Um, and uh, but it, it seemed to be a way for us to get in and obviously challenge ourselves with people like-minded. Uh, all of us, you know, a good chunk of us are in real estate. Some are not. Some are looking to get into real estate, but like you said, I mean, they're pretty high net worth people that can challenge each other. So, so that's why you joined for the challenge? For sure. The challenge and, and two, not to say that I don't have enough people that I can go to like in my area, but I like the fact that everybody was spread around the country. So if you're living in different areas, like I was lucky enough to tour all your properties with you today, mm -hmm. you know, which is pretty funny. We're driving around. I was texting Kenny and a couple other of our or our collective friends, right? And uh, I was like, yeah, we're driving around. Winston goes, yeah, I own that house. <laughs> yeah, I own that house. I own that lot. It's, yeah. it's a condensed area. It's a condensed area. Yeah, but I'm proud of you. It's pretty awesome. So my so. purpose for joining the collective was um, I struggle so much being around like-minded people. Right. It's hard to, to, to be around people that think like I think where we live. You know, we got a few friends that think like we think, but most of our friends do not. Yeah. And, you know, I struggle. I struggle to have conversations with people. I struggle outside of that area. So I love to go to the collective events or maybe Ken's event or maybe one of George's events or Jason's events. I go to all those events because it puts me around like-minded people. And every time I get around that group of guys or girls, we always leave with some energy. Yeah. We leave with some ability to take that home with us and, and do better than what we do because like you just said, they challenge you to do better because you're in a room with a guy that makes a billion dollars yeah, and it's a little bit intimidating. You say, man, he can do that. Why can't I do that? For sure. Yeah. And and maybe you can help me with that too. Yeah, I, really, and I really do need to know why I can't do that. I'm failing in well, the area. <laughs> it's, it's a, um, I think it's everything to do with a lot of mindset too, right? Where we all have a story, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all the way to some, a lot of people, you know, it's a, a very good common for us, obviously, you know, is Kenny and, and, uh, and obviously Robert Kiyosaki, they're tied together. And, mm -hmm. and even how I went down that journey was actually through Rich Dad, Poor Dad, is how everything kind of led to this. Saw George Gammon through that group Me too. and kind of went down to there. And it's, and it's kind of fun to, you know, to see of what's your mental mindset to get to that point. And you know, my path, right? My mom never graduated high school, right? Pregnant as a teenager. Um, and what helped me out was 
I found like-minded or trying to find always a mentor in the game. So in high school, I had a mentor, Brett Harper, and he went on to play college football. I was a freshman, he was a senior. He went on to play college football. So that was my whole goal was when I graduated, I wanted to go on and play college football. Um, was successful at that, had a great time at that, had a lot of great teammates. I obviously didn't make it to the NFL, uh, but a lot of my other friends did. And actually our linebackers coach is now the GM of the Packers. So it's kind of fun to watch that, how that actually grows with Brian Gutekunst. He's goody to us, but he's, he's an amazing person. He's an amazing leader, you know, from that standpoint. You know, went through college, but here's for me is all of a sudden life will give you roadblocks. So, yes, it does. Yep. I was a uh, senior in college, uh, you know, leader of the team, and I wanted to be a leader of the team. Um, went out one night drinking with my buddies and we ended up getting a fight and a kid I got in a fight with went blind. Just like that, your day I woke up the next morning, my whole life was upside down. You know, pictures all over the wall, you know, on the TV screens, you know, Travis Hazy, football player, you know, blah, 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 names everywhere, you know, arrested for battery, all this other stuff. Um, and went to jail, got kicked off the football team, I was looking out what I'm going to do. I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to be a teacher, you know, kind of mindset back then when I was in that arena. And it's kind of funny that, you know, obviously I wouldn't be able to teach or do anything. Right. So this is where I kind of go back to your mindset mm -hmm. of pulling in the collective and getting around other people. So at that moment, you know, you're feeling sorry for yourself, kind of looking at what am I going to do? My parents don't come from money. Um, my dad helped me with rent as long as I went to school. You know, my dad's a retired diesel mechanic, great guy. Um, learned a lot from him. I'm, I'm lucky to have good parents that had like that good quality worth ethic. But in the minds that you and I think now in our lives, they didn't have the education on financials, okay? So I went off, um, tried to find a new career, went into business, and then obviously tried to sell. You know what I mean? And as we all kind of go back to that comment of the mindset, it's like, I got to go make a cold call and you don't want to go make a cold call. So what was you selling? Uh, so I went off, my first job was working for Lawson Products in Dallas. So I moved from Wisconsin down to Dallas, right? Because they would give me a job, but they knew that I had the battery record. So that was a major roadblock to get through. So first I had to sell myself to a company to let me represent them. Um, so I moved all the way to Dallas because that's where the opportunity was. And uh, I sold nuts and bolts to maintenance guys in shops, right? So it was kind of nice. I was actually grew up in my dad's shop. It was something that I enjoyed. Um, so I just went off on that realm, uh, sold nuts and bolts, watched NASCAR all the time just to have something in common because most of the maintenance guys mm -hmm. obviously were in the NASCAR. Um, just to have that commerce become likable. but. Also too, you know, selling is the only way is that I need your money in my pocket as a great, some of the great salespeople always say all the time, right? Mm -hmm. That's how you know that you're a good salesman. But you deal with rejection all the time. You deal with that self-doubt. You deal with trying to uplift yourself because the number one battle is in your own mind, right? And that's the number one place that you gotta conquer. Um, so that was a great learning experience for me. Kind of really turned my mind around and my mindset. Um, from there, my grandma got sick. Uh, one of my college roommates was in Madison, was back in Madison, Wisconsin, and said, hey, I can get you a job selling insurance, uh, and the guy will actually pay for you to move back if you work for a year. If you give it a go for a year, you know, work for a year. So I was already selling, my grandma was sick, um, and uh, I was kind of like, you know what, I'm down here in Dallas, I'm, I'd love to go back to the Midwest, you know, the good Midwest mm -hmm. nice, right? Um, 
started selling insurance but hated it. But I liked the challenge of going into places and conquering that mindset. So I didn't know that about you yeah. with the sales with the sales thing, but yeah. one thing about people that sell like that, I mean the the words roll off your tongue when you're talking. Right. You you make transition to transition real easy. I've stumbled through everything because I've never sold anything in my life yeah. but myself. Yeah. You know, so it's impressive. I like I, yeah. Now I can see that because as Robert Kiyosaki teaches and Jason, all of them talk about you got to be able to sell. You got to be a sell. And, and it's a huge, as he always huge, says, huge deal. you know my beautiful better half, Britt, mm-hmm. um, she's gorgeous, right? And what does Robert Kiyosaki says? You know, when, when his dad would say, well, how's your sex life? And you say awful, and he goes, that's because you can't sell, right? <laughs> and it's like, I, you know, we were out to eat with Kenny and his wife. Our, you know, we were both together, and uh, Daniil and Britt get along great. And I remember I met Kenny when we were in Arizona one time, and uh, they both showed up. They were dressed the same. They had the same type of yoga pants on. They had the same white shirt on. Really? And Kenny's looking at me. He's just like, you and I can both sell. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it was fun. You know, it's just it's kind of funny from that standpoint, and and that you know kind of just relays of that mindset of where we're we gonna go. You know, how you're gonna get there, right? And one of those major things is finding a mentor, and I found that in Kenny. That was my main motivation when we talk about the collective. Everybody's like, why did you join? It was the mindset portion, but also I wanted to find good mentors, and I knew the journey there wasn't gonna be like mentor.com and you find somebody, it was, I also had to put myself in that spot to earn his attention, to earn your attention, to earn Shannon, Damien, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of other people that were in the collective list, right? Um, and learn from them, ask questions, you know, not act like to be the smartest guy in the room and uh, sit back and, and listen. And it's kind of amazing, you know, I tell this all the time, the amount of money that I saved in taxes by one conversation with a member. Oh, it's amazing. Shannon, that. especially. Shannon, Shannon especially. Yep. Okay, go back. I, I yeah. didn't mean to get you off track no, on, your, right. on your story, but yeah. the, I did not know about the sales the thing. Sales you part. did sales, and that's yeah. that answers a lot of thoughts that I got. How, For sure. And think I, about it. How the hell does he do that? He, you asked okay. me, like, hey, we're going to do this great podcast, right? Yeah. And it's like, what do you want to talk about? Well, we'll talk about what we talk about when we're going to say it. And that's part of sales Yeah, is figuring out how the flow, how it's going to go. And you, you figure out like a good common with the person and you just be yourself, but also too, you just got to figure it out and take those steps. So, I got which is pretty cool. So, All right. So you're selling insurance. Yeah. So I selling like insurance it. there and, and I, you know, I didn't hate it. Right. But it just, I knew that wasn't something that I was going to do. Um, so while I was doing that, I had, uh, one of my friends, Trent, said, hey, the Missouri Tavern is coming up for sale at an auction. And I've never been in it. And my thing was, was I was looking for some sort of real estate to buy because I always heard people talking about real estate. So it's kind of funny. I gave, he didn't have $10,000 to put down at the auction. So I gave him $10,000, which was a lot of money to me then. And I'm like, hey, our max bid's uh, 135 grand. And I'm in Florida, actually, believe it or not, on Siesta Key Beach, and I have a cell phone, and he calls me, he's like, hey, we bought the Missouri Tavern. And I was like, great, you know, we got our max bid, and he goes, no, I paid 160000 for it. <laughs> and he goes, but the bad thing is, he goes, we got 13 days to pay the whole 165000 off. No financing, no nothing. Nothing was set up. And you know, this was back in the subprime days, right? Mm-hmm. And like the easy before the GFC and before the financial oh, yeah. crisis. And no banks would give me money to buy 
a bar, right? And if they were going to give you any money, it ain't going to be in 13 days. Yeah, so exactly, right? So one of my friends, Tom Wonderland, um, who it's kind of funny how the world works. I lent him $10,000 so he could get a bond to start a mortgage company because he had to have a surety bond or something like that. Okay. And But he paid me the money back right away. He just had to show it in his account, could get it, and he went a little bit, gave me back, and probably bought me a beer or something like that. So I went back to Tom and I said, hey, I need the favor back. Can you get this property finance for me? So we went and looked at it because the Missouri Tavern, if you look it up, it looks like an old farmhouse. Uh, May Mefford owned it. She, since 1940, uh, she was 101 now, where years is old. It? Where it's is in, it? It's in Madison, Wisconsin, in Springfield, okay. Wisconsin, but just outside of Madison, 10 miles. Okay. But it looks like an old house. And Tom's like, I think I could probably get that on a home loan, right? I'm like, all right, see what you can do. So we, he called a friend. Within 48 hours, we had the loan closed. Wow. Yeah, from Chase. Back so I stand day. corrected. You can do it in so less than 13 so days. It. And it was like, I, but it was kind of that, I need to get this done. That's where the mindset goes. And you just won't take no for an answer. And you just exhaust all your options and you just keep going. And that was the very first property that I own, right? Um, and we still own it to today. You know, it's kind of that, it, is it a thorn in the side? I'm, I'm not a drinker anymore, and I'll even get into what I did after that, um, which involved alcohol anyways. Um, so I went into that. It was that first real estate property to buy, and we still own it to today. Uh, beers are still a dollar tap, which I think I lose money every single tap, but it's a very good blue-collar bar, right? Mm -hmm. It's There's no food. There's no nothing. It's just that good old home Wisconsin towny type bar where people go in, they travel, you know, to come see the place. So it's got good history. Cool. So, but from there to go to the sales aspect is I sold, I was, if, if anybody's ever heard of apple pie shots. Um, mm -hmm. So I started a brand called Travis Hazy's Apple Pie. I have a big ego, so I put my name on everything. I thought I, because I used to use Jack Daniels bottles and I'd scrape the labels off of them. Then I'd fill up apple pie and I would actually sell them at the bar of shots because my, my dad used to make it. My friend Trent sold it at another bar, my business partner at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up buying him out later on just because he was running two places, got to be too much. We just made an amicable deal. So was it a moonshine moonshine shop? It's just like it, but moonshine's just vodka. Okay. Right? I mean, moonshine's just a, a form of the way it's, it's, moonshine was actually alcohol ran underneath the lights. And that's how NASCAR started, like supposedly in North Carolina. like. Stories are always romance for fun, right? They create brands and everything, which I love, right? Mm -hmm. Everything has a story. And moonshine, like I said, was people that could drive well, they would drive underneath the light, so they'd drive <clears> under <throat> the moonlight and they would have bootlegged alcohol. So it was just, you know, alcohol made in the woods. It's a pretty simple process with yeast and all alcohol is is a separation of solid via liquid or solid and liquid via temperature. You know, and what comes out the other side is just alcohol, but it's really raw, right? Mm -hmm. And, but the romance of the story made it cool. So it used to be like, people used to make it in all these small bars. Like if you go into, if you go into Wisconsin there, you can find a hundred bars and make an old homemade version of apple pie. It's kind of like mm -hmm. the limoncello of the Midwest or through Tennessee and Kentucky, right? If that's a good analogy for you, because everywhere makes their own limoncello in, mm -hmm. in Italy, right? Um, so I started that, but I was the first to take it into a bottle and sell it to the public. And that became a crazy journey for me. And in Wisconsin, we were known as a beer state. You couldn't open a distillery. 
but there was one guy who wouldn't take no for an answer. And right about the same time, he was just about ready to get that law changed. His name was Guy Rayhorse. I hunted him down. He was building this distillery. He said, hey, I can't do anything for you, but you can go to Michigan and make it there. He goes, I have a contact there. So I went there, you know, made this apple pie because I just wanted to sell it in my bar mm-hmm. and not deal with any of the legal stuff. If I get caught for selling illegal alcohol, I just didn't want to go down yeah. that path because I was already in trouble. So I knew better. Mm-hmm. And so got this whole situation up, had to sell it to a distributor, you know, et cetera, et cetera, um, to make a long story short. But I went out selling my first bottles. I had a goal to maybe sell, you know, 200 bottles, like it was September 1st by the end of the year. And within the first two weeks, I had sold 2000 cases. So wow. it became a major run, had a great pull from the public. I had a great partnership that I had to sell to the distributor. I'm like, hey, I don't have any models, any, any money to buy bottles. I can't buy any more stock. But they're like, hey, we'll give you a pre on the credit so we can help you buy bottles. And they started floating my cash flow for me, which you know a lot about mm-hmm. cash flow and cash is king. Yep. So went on that realm, uh, met a good mentor in it, you know, by the name of Tom. He had a brand called Rumchata that he was just starting. Him and I would go out just like two buddies and go out and sell our brands together, um, you know. And then he built a manufacturing facility. I moved my brand to him. So it's that kind of that relationship stuff. He and I ended up building a really cool whiskey facility uh, in Wisconsin. And then in like 2018 or 2019, he bought out my half for his son because his son was moving up from Chicago. He had sold his brand um, Rumchata, right out mm-hmm. to the public. And then he's retired and he works with his son making whiskey because he used to work for Jim Beam. So okay. all in all, the stories work out well. And this is where I get to my story when I went on my hunt where I knew how much I paid in taxes off of selling that business and asking everybody around there, like, how could I save money? How could I save money? How could I save money? Or why did I pay so much in taxes? I'll slide you over here a little bit. Am I moving over? Yeah. How did I slide, you know, save some more money in taxes? And this is where someone like Shannon in our collective would be, why don't you just put it in the zone? <laughs> opportunity uh, zone. If you would have owned this, you could have depreciate this, done this opportunity zone. You could, you know, pre-planned and moved here. You know what I mean? So that's what All, I did when I sold my yeah. when I sold my maintenance company. I bought an I bought an opportunity zone. Yep, correct. And yeah. I'm sitting here already how many years later, right? And I'm just like, I wasted a lot of life-changing money just mm-hmm. of like, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's just, and that's where that education comes into place, which that's kind of where I'm more street smart, I'd say, than, than book smart. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a. None of us know what we don't person. know, right? Yeah. And then eventually yeah. when we finally figure it out, then we're like, son of a yeah. bitch, we could have done better than this. And, and that's where I kind of go into that mindset talk. Right. And, and just kind of back up the steps and back up the processes and use my strength. I'm um, I'm more of a podcast or more of a listener than sitting down and reading a book. It causes me anxiety to read. It's not one of my strengths. I had to take the ACT five times because I kept getting a 12 in reading <laughs> and I couldn't be eligible to play college football. I had to get a 17 and I kept getting a 16. But math and everything else was rocking. And. Again, there, I found an English teacher. She knew my story. She's like, Travis, I know you want to go to college and play football, or I was going to go to the military. Either was fine with me, mm-hmm. but I'd rather would have went and played college football and, you know, go to school because that's where the girls were. Yep. I hate to say it. It's just my you. life as an 18-year-old man. And uh, 
not hate to say it, but it's just that was my journey. Isn't that everybody's? Yeah. As a young man, at least. Maybe not the girls, yeah. but as a young man. But as always, the moral of the story is I've always found that good mentor, luckily, in college and football and, and everything. And now, obviously, doing more real estate, you know, very fast from when, obviously, when we, we sold the distillery and sold apple pie and everything. Um, it's just became that new identity of something that I'm doing. Right, because my identity was always tied to sports and the alcohol industry. My name is still out there in a bottle, right? Which is cool. Like I'm very, very proud of that. So, and then the mindset shifted into doing something different. You know, like obviously we have 125 employees. Mm -hmm. We do delivery, right? So, and then learning here. You know, even like Kenny's, like he goes, "Hey, the only reason I own that built that business is to buy real estate," and learning that mentality and and learning the tax ways and you know it's been a very fast journey since you know we met at the collective and uh it's crazy the money that you've saved well there's a there's just so much knowledge that's there that we can we can take and work with yeah so a lot of people that's watching the video are wondering i got no money or i got very minimal amount of money yeah how do i change my mindset how do i come in and buy my first real estate property how do i how do i get to to where you are how do i move in that direction right that's a very good question too. And that number one step is you just have to start moving in the direction because most people of what we're doing, um, they want to sit in here and ask a question. They'll listen to a podcast. They'll listen to a YouTube video. They'll listen to another one and they'll listen to another one. Then they'll listen to another one. And they always think that there's some perfect time to ever start. And in my life of anything that I've ever started, I've actually never regretted everything that I never started. It's always a regret and you always have that wonder. So you're just better off. The number one thing is to take that step. Right. But then two, you just got to put a budget to it. Right. You got to, you got to stop. You got to cut out any of the, you know, actually just number one, write out a budget of all the things that you're spending your money on track it for two months. And you're going to be surprised of what you're throwing your money away on. Are you a goals guy? You write your goals out. You know, it's, here's a funny thing. Right. So when my former business partner and I, we were in Florida, we played golf and we were talking about him buying out uh, myself or his son. He had a lot going on with exiting a, a great company and we actually played golf and uh, we had lunch like men. We, you know, worked it all out. Mm -hmm. uh, no hard feelings of each other. I can still call him today. He calls me. I call him on his birthday. His birthday's coming up in May. Uh, great, great family, you know, that they have. And this is kind of funny. So we were in Orlando when we did this and I'll just kind of talk to you about the mindset. And so one of my friends said, St. Pete beach is awesome. I had never been. To and Saint it Pete is. Beach. Okay. I was always wanting to go to Siesta key because I was standing on that beach when I bought the Missouri Tavern. Mm -hmm. Okay. Not knowing what in the world was going to come to me when Trent said, Hey, we bought the Missouri Tavern. So I ran into my friend, Matt, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm thinking about, you know, maybe looking at a place in Siesta Key in Florida. He goes, why do you want to go there? It's old people. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? He goes, you got to go check out St. Pete Beach. So I'm sitting there. Tom and I left. Tom had to go do, uh, he went to a charity dinner or something of that nature. Uh, we split up, hugged, shook hands. He took off. And I'm in Orlando. My flight is until tomorrow. And it's like, you know, 2 o'clock or something like that. So I'm like, well, shit. I fired up my app. I looked, I stayed in Marriott's traveling for liquor all the time. And I found 
the closest Marriott to St. Pete Beach was Treasure Island. And there, I didn't know what this was, so I drove over, changed my flight, flew out of Tampa the next day, drove over to Treasure Island, went in a room, called Britt, FaceTimed her, showed her to the beach, like, look how awesome this is. Like, look how beautiful this is, right? And I'm like, hey, I'm just gonna go out and explore a little bit. So I ended up driving down. There's a little place called Sunset Beach. I saw it was literally a mile away from the hotel. I parked the car, sat on a boardwalk right at the beach, and I had my book with me. And I literally, you know, you kind of get those moments, right? Mm -hmm. You're just like, I'm sitting there. There's nobody around me. And I just start writing out like what I'm looking for. To I had no idea that I was going to get into logistics business, have 125 employees, you know, join the collective. None of that stuff was ever in the play, mm -hmm. right? So I'm just, this is 2018 or 2019. I'm just writing out what I'm going to do next. And I'm like, one of them is to get a beach house, right? I go, I want a beach house. I want it to be colorful. I want it to be in a good surf style neighborhood. I don't want high rises. Want it to be good people. People can ride beach cruisers. You can walk your dog. You can swim in the ocean with your dog. And I'm literally sitting on steps that are on a beach. Put my book away and start enjoying the sunset going down. A guy walks up on a boardwalk behind me. I turn around, introduce myself. His name's John. And I'm like, hey, I'm Travis. And, you know, and, and I'm, I'm like, you know, do you live around here? He goes, yeah, I live, uh, you know, right down that street right over here. And I walk out and see the sunset every night. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. I go, how long have you lived here? He goes, I'm a retired postmaster or postman for 30 years. I go, wow. So you pretty much know all the properties around here. He goes, I've delivered mail to every house here for years. I go, do things ever come up for sale? And he pointed down the street, down two boardwalks, right? Just, you could see her. He goes, see that lady holding the young boy, you know, standing there watching that? Her name's Dawn. She knows every house for sale around here. So I'm barefoot, walk down, <laughs> introduce myself to Dawn. The sunset's coming down. I'm like, hey, I'm Travis. I'm from Wisconsin. You know, I want to, you know, look at houses. She's like, I'll show you a couple. So she had keys. She We walked back to her house and her husband was there. She's like, hey, I just met this guy. Uh, if we'll I don't come back. She we'll told, ride. <laughs> so she told me later, she told him this. She goes, if I don't come back in 20 minutes, I'm in these two houses. You know what I mean? <laughs> Type deal. So she showed me three houses that she had listed. And I'm like, this is awesome. She thought she'd never see me any, anymore, right? Flew back home. And then I just started looking online, you know, and I'm just like, you know, talk to her. I actually put an offer in on a place, didn't get it. Um, and Britt flew down to look at it. And then uh, while Britt was down there, uh, she found an off-market deal. And uh, I kind of heard about it as well. I'm like, hey, go check this place out. And Britt went and checked out the house. And... I'm like, hey, let's rock an offer. I never seen it. I was just FaceTiming with Britt. Never mm -hmm. even looked at the house. And lo and behold, it was 400 yards from where I was sitting, writing my notes. It's a really? coral colored house. It's at the beach. It's the same neighborhood, everything else. And obviously you have that property today. So that's that visualization, the mindset of a long story going into it, you know, and kind of looking at different angles. And how that led into what I'm doing now, and just kind of ask so you, you just like, think it and make it happen as you think it. Yeah, I mean, and that's where I was sitting out front of that place. We only owned it for a month. I did wasn't working. I was going to try to not do something for a year. My mind was going crazy. I just had to have those things to keep trying and like not being comfortable. I just I felt very it felt uncomfortable to me not doing anything. Mm -hmm. And that's when uh. Amazon truck drove by, like a delivery van that we see everywhere now. And mind you, this was 2019, right? 
and I walked up to the kid at the stop sign, stop, you know, area, right? He stopped right in front of the house and I walked up to him. I go, when did Amazon start delivering? He goes, well, I work for a third party contractor and this is kind of like a pilot area and we just started delivering. And I'm like, well, can I get the guy's name? And so then I started researching it, submitted an application, was selfishly trying to get to Florida. And they were like, hey, we don't have anything open in Florida, but we see her from Wisconsin. Would you want to be one of the first ones to open a center in Wisconsin? And lo and behold, about a year went by and you know, started hiring people. And you know, today we uh, have 130, just like 130 full-time employees. Holy cow. And then obviously we're using that income to buy more property. So, so why are you buying property? So looking at hard assets, um, I tried to learn the stock market game, but the only thing that I ever made out in the stock market was I had all this tax money that I had to pay for 2019 and then the government kept extending the taxes. So I wasn't due until I think in, during the pandemic that was 10-1. And when the market sunk, I put all that money into Apple, Microsoft and Tesla. It was a gamble, but the market was just straight down and I just rode that market all the way up and sold it. So luckily opportunities when the government extended everything, I just had all that cash. I hadn't paid my taxes yet. So I just let that ride and pretty much it paid for the taxes. <laughs> you know what I so, mean? So let me tell you about my stock market yeah. experience. Yeah. And so, I and just full fledged, I have $50,000 in an account that I just play with in the stock market now. That's okay. it. Yeah. So I was going to go to a class with TD Ameritrade. Okay. So I had a girl that was working with me. She was my controller. I said, let's go do this class. Yeah. So I paid, her and I both went and done the class. We come home and I think it was a $20,000 class that we did. Yeah. I mean, it was a class class. So we did the TD Ameritrade, we come back and we're gonna do day trading. Now, I'm good friends with her and her husband. It was just nothing, nothing right. strange in that relationship. It's just, we, we worked together for years. And um, so we both put $5,000 in an account. And she said, okay, we're gonna do this for 90 days. Whoever has the most amount of money in their account in 90 days yeah. gets the other person's money. So that was the deal. That was the deal. We were going to both trade the 5,000. Not who, a steak dinner? Who, no, it was, you got their account, whatever okay. their account was. So I started doing some day trading at that time. That would have been 09, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac was going crazy. And I was day trading Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Yep. And it was going back and forth. What year and, is this again? That would have been 08, 09. Okay. Um, somewhere up in there. And as we was trading, it would make a 75 cent swing a day, buy in the morning, sell in the afternoon. And then I, I had got the account up and then I was also doing some day trading with a company called CHTP. Okay. Not CH, yes, no, Chelsea's Therapeutics. I'm, now I'm going to GD, the new thing crap coming out. Yeah. Chelsea Therapeutics is what it was. Okay. So they were coming up with a cure or some, some drug for Parkinson's disease that would help help people with that disease. And um, who was the actor that had Parkinson's disease? Oh, uh, Fox. Yeah, Michael Fox. Michael J. Fox? Yeah, mm -hmm. Michael J. Fox. So he was pushing that also. So then I got into day trading with that. And my account 
I mean, in a short period of time, was over $50,000. Okay. And then I kept trading, and then I got up to about $200,000. i am talking, we're, we're in a 90-day period of time. Yeah, started with five grand. Yeah, five grand. I'm at like $200,000. And then I took every bit of it. Chelsea Therapeutics, or not, yeah, Chelsea Therapeutics, was going in front of the FDA for approval. Yeah. And I moved all my money into an account with Chelsea Therapeutics. And when it when they approved it, the account went up to two point four million. Oh Jesus! In ninety days. Yeah. And I went in. I went to go sell, <laughs> and and they didn't release it until after hours. Yeah. They so they 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 approved it after hours, and I didn't know how to trade after hours. Yeah. So then everybody knows how to trade it after hours is selling their stock, selling their stock, selling their stock, and I am dropping. Yeah. And and I lost like $800,000 before I could sell the next morning. Yeah. So in the end, I don't know, I had like 1.6 million in my account or one, no, it was one point, I had 1.8 million in my account because I got a picture of it on my phone still. Yeah. And it was like the next day our 90 days was up. And she, she had like $10,000 and I had a, like a million eight in my account. Yeah. And so I sat there and I had bought back, I bought back in after that. And um, the end of the year started coming. I didn't sell and everything's going down. And then January comes and everything's still dropped. And I said, what's well, gonna come back up? I went all the way to October and the market was, was still way down. I, I had it across several different stocks, hadn't made really any more money. Yeah. And I got to the point that I had to sell it. So then I lost, all the money, because I think I was down to, I don't know, maybe 1.2 million at that time. Yeah. And then I had a 400, I got a bill from the IRS for $392,000 that I had to pay in extra federal income tax. From buying and selling. From, from my buying and selling, because I, it's a wash. If you buy it and yeah. go buy, buy the Rebuy same the stock, you, yeah, you it's a wash. You don't, yeah. get the, you don't get to lose it or, or write it off, whatever they want to call it. So it was a wash sale. So all that was due. I had to pay all that. So then I had to do a fire sale and sell my stock at a lower price. And I think in the end, I wound up making like a million dollars. But I lost the other 1.4 million. If I could have just held on to it and I had to sell it. So I, got, I felt like I got screwed by the IRS. Yeah. And I, I have never traded another stock since mm. then. And that's when you went on your tax journey? That was it. That was, I mean, well, is that what? When you went on trying to find out how to not pay taxes. No, I didn't. Yeah. I was too stupid then. Yeah. And I owned a lot of, uh, I didn't own a lot of real estate at that time, but I owned, you know, I might have owned a million dollars worth of real estate at that yeah. time. But I didn't understand it. the tax benefit. I, I learned the tax benefit when I joined Rich Dad Education. Yeah. And that would have been 2014. So my education in real estate, even though I, I had went through tons of real estate through that period of time, I didn't really learn what I was doing and learn how to do what I was doing properly until I got the proper education. Right. So I didn't mean to get off track, but no, that was just a, it's, it's a whole different story on, on trading the market and yeah. day trade and how in the world you can go from, from five grand yeah. to 2.4 million. And then, I mean, I don't even, even yeah. right now sitting here talking to you, like, how in the hell is that even possible? And you know, people, but I got a picture of, I got a picture. I don't have a picture of 2.4 man. I got a picture of the 1.8 million in my account. Right. And, you know, it's just, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't want to say I was skilled at it. I think it was just 100% luck. 
Right. You know. And that's the whole point, right? It's uh, it's an awesome story. I didn't and take, I, I didn't take her money, by the way. Yeah. That would have been unethical. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it's like, but still, but she still had the foresight to do something. You yeah. know what I mean? It, even if you think it's gambling or whatever, but at least you're still in the game of something. But also too, but to go back on it, it's not to be frivolous and foolish with it. No. You know what I'm saying? No, I agree. And you, I, it, you, you hear about the people like where they make the money, but it's harder to keep it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that becomes a mindset too, as well as <laughs> how to be smart with your money. Do you think it's the easier it is for you to make your money, the less respect you have for the money that you make? Oh, hundred percent. Like, if you see any kids that come from rich families, I'll say nine out of 10 times, they have no idea what's going on. A lot of times they're depressed. You know what I mean? Mom and dad have always bailed them out. I call it, you know, cupcaking people, you know what I mean? Or take the blanket, hide in the corner, and someone's gonna bring you a bottle and feed you, yeah. you know, type mentality. You know, versus a lot of people that come up and, you know, learn the way, uh, they just have more confidence in themselves. Yeah. They just carry themselves a little bit different. But that doesn't mean that anybody that grew up like that. And I also think that it goes back to the parents that you had. You know, sometimes it can be a blessing to have bad parents and you find out your way. But, you know, the, the, I would say more of the times that the people that I knew, you know, growing up, it's how they were parented. If they have a, a ton of money, you know, how are they parented? It's like um, one of the good stories and one of the reasons I, I Love that Kenny, I've worked into his network of him being a mentor. He has his son, Kyle, who I was at Barrett-Jackson with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a know, good kid. He's, he's a, good a kid. great kid. And, um, you know, talking with him there, having a great time, you know, just listening to him. Um, but his boys actually went, he went to Europe mm-hmm. and Kenny wouldn't pay for it. Yep. Right? Yep. So he found a way to dog sit. So who thinks of that? Because Kenny yeah. said he didn't give him that. He, didn't, him. he said he didn't give him that idea. But and, who would think? And he was there for three months. And Kim wouldn't hire him, right? Kim said, I'm not yeah. hiring you. If you yeah. don't, you just got to get out of the country. You got to go vacation. You got to go do yeah. something. I'm not going to. I'm not paying for it. You got to do it. But you're going to do that before you work for he me. He took him to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, I think, on his 18th birthday for both of his boys. Mm-hmm. I don't remember which one went to Europe, but they. That was Kyle that went to Europe. Yeah, it's just it's just the mindset of it. Right, and he found a way to do it. So he had free housing and dog sat. Mm-hmm. Right, went to another country, found this app, dog sat while people were on vacation, and then he, I think he went back to the same place for another two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think him and his girlfriend traveled together. Mm-hmm. I think so, but I don't remember the stories right. But and that's where he asked me, like, what do you do, right? And that's where I mean, it's just that first step. Take that walk, step across the line, and. You got to defeat that battle that's in your mind. And I got to tell you, it's going to be there every single day. Do you, do you walk into that things with a fear of failure? Everybody. It, I think it's weird if I don't have the fear of failure. Okay. So I you're think, not, I don't think I do. Yeah. I think I walk into that environment and I say, no matter what, I'm not failing. Yeah. And I, I and I think this. in my, in my business, my previous business is I failed all the time. Yeah. But I never worried about the failure because all I had to do was work more hours to fix the problem right. and I could always work myself back into yeah. profit. And I would just do that. When I failed, I would just work. I wouldn't go to sleep. I would, yeah. I would work as much as and, and now, you know, that's one thing Christina will tell you. Well, Winston stepped right on a limb and risk everything we got. Even right now, would I step out and do yeah. it? I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. You know, I'm like, okay, we're not going to yeah. work. We're just gonna do it. Now talk. I'm going to believe that I'm going to succeed yeah. 100%. And you and I talked because, you know, I, I, I had an idea to, you know, get with a group of my friends. So to, 
to look at how we could pool our money to help you know invest into properties where the government wants you to invest anyways. You learn that from Tom mm-hmm. Will, right? You can listen to him that the government will give you, it's not tax loopholes at all. The government will direct you during the tax codes of where they want money because they can't build housing. So they want to partner with people and you got to incentivize people to do that, to create housing for others, you know, and you're working in your community, et cetera. So there's a group of my friends that I was just with in Nashville, you know, that we're, we're talking and, you know, we were talking about buying some real estate together. And like I asked you that, you know, when yeah. you bought me great, you know, Nashville barbecue. I didn't here. buy that for you. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, stole yeah. that well, from me. You stole my, you I stole hear. my joy. Yeah, I can't, I get free housing tonight. Right? <laughs> and, um, but it's like, it's a different story. And Kenny told me this, the game changes when you take somebody else's money. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's where he asked me, it's like, I would feel weird if I didn't have fear of handling somebody else's money. I'm still going to do the deal. You right. got to know that you know that I'm, you know what you're going, what you got. I'm going to do the deal right. You're going to ask questions, whatever you get in there, how you're going to structure it. And and the collective is a is a great way to get a lot of that information. I've already you gave me nine different ideas already. I'll call Shan and I'll ask him nine different ideas. Mm-hmm. When I get Kenny's ear, I'll just say, "Hey, what do you think?" You know, and he's I know what he's going to say. You got to know the numbers, right? And he and he'll also say, "Once you take someone else's money, it changes your relationship." Yeah. And my comment with you on all that was, yeah. "I will lose all of my money before I allow the investor to lose a penny." Yeah. And if I'm going to fulfill my obligation to them, for sure. If I got to go in the hole for that, then yeah. I would go in the hole for that. Yeah. And that's that's just how I view life. I, yeah. I view it that way. You know, man of my word, I'm going to say what I'm going to do, and I'm going to freaking do it. One of the reasons I went to jail is I wouldn't narc out my buddies. Yep. And however that ended, it ended in a weird way. But it's like, but I also had that. It was just it was was it right or wrong? But it just at that time in my life, it was the decision that I just wanted to make that decision for myself. And that's just the way I went with it. Well, that, you know? that, is, a, that is a personality. My, my, I got a call from the police department one night, yeah. 11 o'clock at night, on my daughter. Right. So they called me up, they said, we got your daughter's car in the field and we don't see your daughter. Yeah. They were having an illegal campfire on somebody else's property. Everybody got in their trucks and left. And my, my daughter didn't get to her truck, they blocked her in. Right. So she was hiding in the woods. Okay. So, so she was, I don't know, maybe 17 at the time. So I get dressed, I drive over there, and I get out of my truck and I yell, Dalen, get over here. So she comes out the woods. Yeah. And um, the cops grab her, talk to her. They say, who, we want to know every person that was here. She said, I'm not telling you who was here. Right. She, and the cops said, then you're going to go to jail. She said, okay. Yeah. And they did this for like an hour with her. Yeah. And every single time she told them, then I'm going to go to jail because I'm not going to tell you who was here. No, no. And I'm telling her, I said, Dalen, it doesn't really matter. Nobody's in trouble. We just, they just need to know the information. She right. said, I'm not telling them that. Yeah. So we finish up. The cops tell her that they're going to, they want to see her the next day or that Monday or whatever. So we go home and I'm on her behind and she says, Dad, you can do whatever you want to do to me. Right. I'm not telling you. Yeah. And, you know, she never did tell me, ever. And she went back to the police department and she still told them she wasn't going to tell them. And finally, they just told her to get away, get away yeah. from them, basically. Yeah. But, you know, that does say something about the character of a person yeah. when you say, you know what? I'm just not doing it. Yeah. And, and, 
in all reality, too, and the cops weren't trying to be bad people either. Mm-hmm. And, and, no, no, And here's the reality of it is, and that's also a learning lesson, right? Where you were talking about the stocks, and was that a learning lesson for you where you're looking and you, you, you try to figure out that something's weird about it. It's like, it's just, it's almost like gambling. There's no real assets to it. I made a ton of money, but I got no pleasure out of it. Yeah. You talk about stressful yeah. day trading every day and every bit of it, you go to sleep, worried you're going to lose everything. Yeah. It was, it was, and for me, it was miserable. On the real estate side, it's kind of nice to have that hard asset, right? Mm-hmm. And plus two, you're giving housing to people in your community, you know, from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. And, to me, that's a good feeling as oh, well, yeah. is where if... And you I, give them a good product. You're not giving them a piece of crap. You're giving them a house that yeah. that is in great shape, a house that is a good house. Yeah. Like I toured the one property with you where you had a, not a great tenant in it, and you're making that, redoing a lot of things where you're eating a cost, which you didn't have to. You could have just rented it to somebody else, but mm-hmm. you're like, it doesn't meet my standards. I'm going to hold a quality because your name's on it. And you're going to have that good quality because that's going to refer somebody else over. And you almost have that extra, you have that extra cost that you eat because the mindset is that you know it's going to help your brand and you're not cutting the shortcut. And mentally too, you go to bed and you sleep with your pillow at night and you don't have the thoughts running through your mind. No. Well, you, know? you, um, you look at your business and, and you operate your business with a certain standard of excellence. Yeah. In everything you do, there's a standard of excellence that you're going to adhere to. And I look at that in my real estate and and I actually had a conversation with some of my guys yesterday about it. And I said, you know, we have a standard of excellence and that does not change. And it doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter what it takes to achieve it. That is what we're going to do. And that does not ever change no matter what. And if we got to change that, then we need to quit the business and do something different because my commitment is to provide the best housing around and out, you know, I don't, I'm not going into the rental market trying to outpace my competitors with rent. No, I'm going to be higher than my competitors. And I've I've never been in the market to try and be the cheapest person with what I do. But I want to be the best at what I do. I want to provide a product they're not providing. I want to provide a service that they don't provide. When that tenant calls me and has a problem, I want to be on that property within an hour if it's something that needs to be addressed immediately. I don't want them waiting. Yeah. And we and we give that to our tenants and I think that that goes a long ways and it means Absolutely. a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and I used to, I'm a service company. Yeah. That was the same thing in a service company. We're gonna be there in an hour if you got an emergency call. Yeah. And I don't care how late at night it is, we're gonna stay and we're gonna fix it. And, and we, you know, we grew a business from zero, one employee, me, to 72 employees by doing that. You've grown yeah. your business in the exact same way. Yeah, I mean, fourth one I've started. Yeah. yeah. So and it's and they've all been knock on wood and they've all have worked been mm-hmm. successful and and it's whatever whatever metric you're defining what success is right yeah. I mean yeah. uh, a million dollars could be a lot of money to somebody that has you know what I mean we were talking about that earlier it's like you know you get the million dollar mindset but then someone that has ten million dollars doesn't have a million dollar mindset you yeah, know a hundred thousand hundred million and it just keeps on going but and that's full circle back to the mindset we're talking about where you get yourself into groups of people that can challenge you, that can help you, um, that you can talk to on a personal level. And also to say, hey, what do you think of my mindset? Am I thinking right? So in what you do, are you driven by money? You know what? It sounds dumb, but no. But I'll answer that with a follow-up. I'd rather have money than not have money, obviously. But I know what it's like to be poor, you know, and not have any money. Um, 
another fun fact about me is, I think it was twice, two or three times, uh, I couldn't make payroll with my small staff when I started the alcohol business. I went to the blackjack tables and I made enough money to cover payroll. True story, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. At one time I had $300,000 in credit card debt because nobody would give me a loan to buy bottles in China to build an alcohol brand and I'm selling it on the streets. So MBA at that time, I could write out a check for 30, I could open up this account. I mean, it was free money at that mm -hmm. time before the GFC and was I proud of all that stuff? Was I ever gonna feel like I was gonna fail if I was writing that check, I was never gonna pay it back? Of course not. It's what it took. I look at took. the interest that was rolling and I had a philosophy if it cost me $50 to make a case, I sold it for 100, I kept $25 for marketing, and I kept the other $25 for growth, and I could replace that product. But I worked it into what the debt schedule was, just cash flow. You couldn't even tell me what the term cash flow was back then. But I had this inclination, like I have to replace my product, I have to pay off my credit card, so I just built everything into the product, like you do on real estate. I just, this is my number I gotta hit, and I start working it backwards. What's my expenses? You know, what's the cap rate gonna be? And now we got cap rates at five, but interest rates at seven. Doesn't make any sense. No. Zero sense, no, right? And a lot of that has helped me of everything that I learned in those things to pick up real estate pretty quick and look at it. And, you know, like Kenny's told me a hundred times, he goes, it doesn't matter what the interest rate is. It doesn't matter what the purchase price is. And it doesn't matter what the rents are. But when you work the whole system together, does it cash flow? Are you getting the return that you want? And are you buying in a good place? Are you giving a good product like you're saying? And he goes, I'll buy things at 9% rates, 10% mm -hmm. rates. Yeah, I mean, I, when know, I bought my first house, yeah. you know, the interest rates were just coming off of 15% back in the 80s. Yeah. And um, Six, people, were still, now people were still doing it. Yeah, and I don't have a problem with 7%. You know what I mean? And it, it doesn't matter what that number is, is kind of where I'm getting at, but yeah. as long as it works in the system to actually cash flow yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not money driven at all. Yeah. I'm driven by the game more than I am anything else. I agree with you. 100%. I love the game of what yeah. we do. And, you know, as you said, the money, having the money is better than not having any money. Yeah. And, but I'm not driven by greed of money or anything like that. I'm, I'm, I love what I do. I'm, like you said, I'm driven by the game because I am competitive, yeah. right? It's, Britt will walk by me and try to shove me sometimes, like kind of mess with me, just having fun. Mm -hmm. And I've done defensive moves around <laughs> a couple hundred thousand times and it's just like I just like I'll move in a different way that she just kind of I don't hit her or anything like yeah. that but it, it's that just that reaction and it's the same thing like it's that reaction of looking at property you know mm -hmm. what I mean it's 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 solving the puzzle right and the thing that the financing gets you is the freedom to be able to do that absolutely that you're not tied to a job where you can't go out and find this property but it's the thing is it's uh, I'm a 4:30 in the morning guy and I'm out the door and I'm to the gym and that's a time for me where I just listen to podcasts mm -hmm. and nobody, nobody's in, I go, I kept going earlier and earlier and earlier, trying to find a window where nobody else was there. I work out at Pat's gym in Madison. It's a great place. Pat, my friend, Pat, who owns it, he looks like he's straight out of men's health. You should look him up. Pat Giles, Pat, Pat's gym in Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin. And, you know, and talk about like intimidating of looking at all aspect of life. Like 
the gentleman named Roman, he got second in the CrossFit games, trained at his gym. Uh, even a mindset of this guy came from Russia. Um, Pat's wife is from Ukistan, if that's if I said that right. Uh, Rose, I apologize if I say it weird, but um, she found out his story where he couldn't get into the U.S. He kept wanting to always do the CrossFit games, and she she knew of him like she speaks fluent Russian, right? And so he came over to into the gym with them to work at the gym, was able to get him into the country. And then he was actually able to compete in the games. And then she translated for him the whole time. So again, goes back to the mindset. And he got second place, first one he ever did. And he had that mindset of the grunt where I'd walk into the gym and I know that he was working out there. And you could just see that mind of that game like you're talking to goes back to the confidence, goes back to stepping over that line of doing something. Or a, you know, if I never would approach Brittany, you know, my wife, mm -hmm. it's like, if I never had approached her, would I just be thinking about her or take that step and take that risk? Yeah. That know? had to be a leap for you. That's a big leap. She's a pretty girl. That's a, up there and yeah. I'm on the floor, yeah. you know, I'm, sometimes I'm, I wonder what's wrong. I'm not even disagreeing with, with you on that. And you're in the same boat. <laughs> we all are. Yeah. We all are. We all are. Yeah. With Christina, you're in the exact we, same boat. I, I am. I mean, yeah. It was a crazy, so, crazy meeting. Yeah. But. Mindset is king. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? You know, I actually never like those questions when people ask that. I don't, I don't say I don't mind it. You know what I'm okay. saying? Because nobody has any idea. And a perfect example, as I'll say, as I'm sitting on the beach writing on that book, at that time that I think of buying a house, seeing that place, you know, life changes so fast. You know what I mean? Um, where I see myself in is obviously expanding more on real estate, getting into other deals that are gonna be challenging. Um, I, not to say bigger deals are better deals, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, from eight units to 12 units, you know, buying units from that standpoint versus, you know, we are going to move to that renter's nation from mm -hmm. what I can read and I just think, 100 I inches. I bet. And looking at, we are going to go through a period where people are going to lose a lot of jobs. They're not going to be able to buy housing. But if I can keep my game plan going to provide more housing where it just kind of offsets more freedom for myself to just keep working that puzzle. And I'm like you, I, I want to see how, how I can keep that game going. If you want to call it a game, it's not really, it's a game. Yeah. It's, it's a puzzle. It's, it's figuring it out. It's putting the deals together. Um, but doing it the right way passing on a not just buying to buy right um and and to grow that portion more also too it's helping others i love that so out of all of our employees every single night i send them a text every every employee that works that day um there's a couple days where Britt will do it but a majority of the time like it's one of the things i love to do at eight o'clock at night the very last thing that i do is i send a group text to all whatever drivers are on shift that day, you know, cause it'll be like 60 employees or 50 employees that are coming in. I send them, hey, I'll see you guys at 9, 10 in the morning. That's when our shifts start. You know, our shifts start at 9.50. You know, we all come in early. We all meet with each other. Um, and I have one good Travisism, right? You mm -hmm. know, that I say to them. And every single time I sign it off with, I appreciate all of you and thank you very much for being part of the team. Because that wholeheartedly, is, I love it. So I don't have 
anymore that team of guys like that. Yeah. Because we only got, you know, three guys that work for me on maintenance, maintenance side. So we don't, it's not like I, when I had 70 employees and you are that cheerleader yeah. that motivates those 70 people or those hundred people, hundred plus people to, to get out there and do it. And you realize that I'm successful or I was successful because of those 72 guys. Yeah. Now I'm successful, but it's only because of three guys. Yeah. But if those three guys ain't working, if they're not doing their job, then I'm failing yeah. because I don't do any of that work. They do it all. Yeah. And you know, I look at the, the lady that's in my office, yeah. you know, and if she's not doing what she's doing, then I'm failing. If my, my wife ain't doing what she's doing, yeah. then I'm failing. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. Yeah. And it's, and it, and I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, and, uh, cause I know you're buying me dinner tonight so we can wrap. Yes, up. sir. But, uh, but yeah, no, it always comes down to the people, the people to be able to help you. I wholeheartedly believe in that from mentors to employees. Cause you can, you know, we've had, we represent nine different countries. Mm-hmm. You know, I have Polly from Sri Lanka. So when the Sri Lanka currency was going crazy and they're raiding the capital and everything like I was able to talk to him you know Eric's from Ghana you know I'm able to talk to him Eric takes cars from the US he fixes them up he and then he saves his money goes to Ghana sells those cars come back and he works with us I work all the way around their schedules you know Paulie yes. works and now he does his travel comes back works gets money and travels and it's fun you know to to work through that and build those teams so well, I, I talk to you you seem to know everybody so it's kind of cool yeah. But any last words? No, hey, no, as it. always, take that first step, right? So and that's, that's the moral of the story. Have so understand, this is two stuff. guys. So Both of us are doing decent in life. And we both started from nothing. And we're just an example to show you that you can do anything that you want to do if you are just willing to put forth a little bit of an effort. It doesn't take much. Just do a little bit. 20% of what you do will yield 80% of what you produce. So get that 20% down pat, then start building a little bit on that 20% and do a little bit more. But anyone can do it. So thank you all for watching and thank you for being with me. If you're ever in Madison, Wisconsin, stop by the Missouri Tavern. It's an expensive place to drink. Beers are a buck. (laughs) I'll borrow it from my wife. (laughs) Sounds good. Thank you all. Thank you. Appreciate it.